Welcome to Parenting Bites. This is Rebecca Levy of Kids Views. I'm here today with Amy Oztan of Amy Ever After. Hi. Hello. No Andrea today. She is no. out on assignment at Facebook. <laughs> She's all the way on the West Coast. Exciting. Asking Facebook the tough questions. Um, so today on the show, we thought we would continue in our college admissions series. Um, if you haven't listened to our previous podcasts on the college admissions series, you can find them. Um, on parentingbites.com. This is a continuation. This is week we are talking about the essay, which if you have a college senior, sorry, a high school senior, not a college senior, I'm leaping ahead of myself. (laughs) Um, If you have a high school senior, they're probably deep into thinking about their common app essay, or maybe even writing a first draft, or at the very least, freaking out about it. So um, we have a college admissions expert on today, Caroline Koppelman of the Koppelman Group, who is going to talk us through the process she uses for her clients um, in getting them to write their Common App essay, which she has just, I think, an incredibly creative, unique take on how to do it. Um, so we're going to ask her a ton of questions about that, including what parents should and shouldn't do in this process. Um, and then we will have our Bites of the Week. So we'll be right back with Caroline Koppelman. So we are here with Caroline Koppelman, college admissions expert and the founder of the Koppelman Group. Caroline, thank you so much for joining us. Of course. I'm happy to be here. You know, I was really excited. I should give people a little background, which is that I met you through one of my daughter's school auctions, which sounds crazy, um, but um, you had generously donated an hour of your time through that auction and I had purchased that. And when I spoke to you for that hour, um, I was very impressed. I've spoken to a lot of education people in my life and I was very impressed with how level-headed <laughs> and clear you were about what you do and how you do it, which is why I reached out to you to be on the show today. Um, in particular, I was talking to you sort of about the whole app, the common app, essays, sort of how kids begin. And um, one of the things that I was struck by when I spoke to you was that you had a very clear idea of what worked and what didn't, um, but not something that was so formulaic that every kid fit into. So I was wondering if we could kind of start with how you got into this um, you know, a little bit about your background and how you really developed this um, perspective and talent for what you do. Yeah, absolutely. So I went to public school in New York City and I, I went to a performing arts school. Um, I was very, very involved in all of the extracurricular activities that you're supposed to be involved in to get into a top college. And When I went to apply to college, my mom had gone to a a liberal arts school, so I just applied to like all of the liberal arts schools. And after I applied, I realized that I had kind of categorically applied to the wrong type of school. So Connecticut College gave my family a very generous uh, financial aid package, so I went there. And while I was there, I had a professor who had gone to Penn, and he said to me, you will not get an A in my class unless you apply to Penn. (laughs) So that's the only reason why I applied to Penn and I ended up getting in and I went there. And when I got there, a girl from LaGuardia had her mom, from my high school, had her mom reach out to me and her mom was like, hey, you figured out uh, this whole world. Can you help my kid get into college? So I said, yes. 
And we just wrote highly creative essays. Um, she was, you know, a, a white Jewish girl from the Upper East Side. And I was like, there are a million of you applying to college this year. So let's just break every single mold. So this girl ended up getting into every college that she applied to. And I thought absolutely nothing of it because, you know, it was one of one. But her mom thought it was it was pretty impressive. So she kind of talked about it with her friends. And the next year, more people asked me for help. And then two of them got into Harvard and Stanford. And that's when I thought, like, maybe this isn't a fluke. And maybe I am good at this. So I incorporated the company and it became an LLC. And now we're in year seven of it. And we've helped hundreds of kids. And we've kind of kept the approach the same of just completely breaking the mold every year and going the most creative route possible um, while also making sure that the kids feel, you know, comfortable with everything that we're doing. That's amazing because when I was doing research for this episode, I discovered that one of the most searched for things is essays about whether student athletes should be paid. So I, I feel like there are just, there are people, they're all writing the same essay. Mm -hmm. it, it's crazy. Like, I don't understand why someone would think that that would be the way to go. Well, I think that people get really um, stressed out because there's very little transparency in this process and they have no idea what to write. And so they, they're like, let me write something that is, you know, thought provoking and maybe slightly zeitgeisty and they don't realize that the point of the college essay is to turn inward and to illuminate or exemplify a personality characteristic through a story. My son, who also went to LaGuardia, by the way, um, he wrote his essay about how he made friends in high school by walking around solving his Rubik's Cube. Yeah, that's a really good essay. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know how much it mattered because he was auditioning for schools too, but probably weren't a lot of Rubik's Cube essays that these jaded people were reading. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know how jaded they are necessarily, or just if I had to read 35,000 essays in six months, I would definitely want to be, you know, surprised by something. Um, Cause they get so many of the same essay, right? There's like a community service essay, there's a sports essay, there's a, like, I think a lot of kids think that things have to be deeper than they are. So they'll make things into a metaphor when like, it can just be about ice cream, you know, it doesn't have to be deeper than it is. And so I think some of these adults who are reading these pieces by teenagers are like, this is, I, I don't know anything about you right now. Hmm. Right. There's that old, like the thing that everyone repeats that if someone dropped a thousand essays right on the floor of the high school and picked one up, they should know who it's about oh. without your name being on it. Right. Like there's that. Right. Um, but I think that's really daunting to kids um, in so many ways because they read the Costco essay or they read these ones that are held up as the paradigm of like the ultimate essay, which I also always think is a little weird because they never say anything else about the kid. Like obviously it wasn't like the kid had a D average and, you know, a very low SAT score, but wrote this great essay. <laughs> like that was it. Like obviously there was a whole package going in there, but I think kids feel very intimidated about where to even start if they don't think they've had some earth-shattering experience or major obstacle to overcome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if they have had 
an earth-shattering experience or an obstacle to overcome, they probably shouldn't write about either of those things. Hmm. So if they've had an earth-shattering experience, um, whether it's with their, you know, if, it, if it's a personal thing that's gone on in their lives, there is a place for it. It's called the additional information section. Uh, you'll find it right underneath the essay. And that's when you can put things about, um, you, you know, if a student has an A average and then one semester they drop to a C, you'd probably want to explain that in the additional information section. If something has gone on with people's families, that's also there. Um, if they've had kind of like a I don't know, a, a revelation or something through an extracurricular activity, that's really good fodder for a supplement, not for the Common App essay. The Common App essay serves one purpose. It's a chance to explain how you think and also show one, maybe two personality characteristics. So no matter who the student is, they have a personality and, and they think about the world in a certain way. So what we do with our kids is we just ask them to text a bunch of their friends and ask their friends, like, how would you describe me? You know, what adjectives would you use to describe me? And inevitably, you get a lot of overlap with that, right? And so we'll take a kid's adjectives and we'll say, why did your friends describe you as um, ambitious and driven, right? They didn't just say that for fun. Can you think of any reason why they would say that? And through a series of conversations, the kid will start to tell us stories. Um, so that's one thing that we do. But then we'll also we'll also just go through their routines, right? Because everyone's morning routine or nighttime routine, the way that kids think about how to organize their desk or their clothes, it, it tells us something about them. And that's all we're trying to do, right? We're trying to establish um, kind of common bonds between the kid and the admissions reader because the admissions reader wakes up in the morning, they eat, right? They have morning routines. So it's kind of a chance to remind the admissions reader that the kid is human and <laughs> to just establish what type of person they are. Because at the end of the day, these um, admissions directors are putting together a well-rounded class of thinkers, right? They're not, they're not like, okay, who is the most impressive person in the world and how do we get 3,000 of them in the same place? They want it to be well-balanced. So it's really interesting you say that because I think people feel like your application um, itself tells a story, right? Like they've been so focused on your kid has to do X many extracurricular activities and now you have to do this and that. Um, but the one thing that really doesn't shine through on that app, right, is your personality, like what you're saying. And most kids aren't going to have an interview if they're applying to these schools, you know, like if you're applying to a Wisconsin or a Michigan um, where they're getting 70,000 applications, this is it, right? This your common app essays is all you have. And even if you do get an interview, it's uh, the colleges say that it isn't supposed to have any effect on your candidacy because they can't possibly interview all of the people. So that's a, so you mentioned like how kids can begin, right? I love like texting their friends because then they're helping each other too. Um, kind of think of that. If you have a kid who is just totally averse to creative writing, like hates English, hates writing, never thought of themselves in that way. Um, how would you get that kid to start? Those, I actually find that those kids are easier to work with than kids who consider themselves to be writers. Because when kids self-identify as writers, it's very hard to get them to like kill their darlings in their essays because <laughs> they're, they're, they're so attached to 
there's seven lines of alliteration and it's just like, yikes, we, got, <laughs> we have to take some of this out. Um, so when kids are not into creative writing, it's such a great opportunity to introduce them to expressing themselves through this medium. So we don't go into it saying like, you have to write an amazing essay. We, we just go into it being like, okay, why do your friends call you, right? Can you go through the past three phone calls that you've had with your friends? Are they calling you for homework help? Are they calling you to help them through a problem? Are they calling you to make plans to do something fun? If so, what did you guys do? You know, just like really going through who the kid is because one of our philosophies is that like your grades are not who you are and your scores are not who you are and the activities that that you do aren't necessarily who you are, right? They're a reflection of you, but they're not everything. So we're just trying to look for that little nugget of what makes a kid who they are. Um, so I can just like go through various students that we've had and, and mm -hmm. tell you how we got there because most kids don't consider themselves writers and also they don't know how to write um, because they've only really been taught the five paragraph essay, right? Mm -hmm. And short nonfiction creative writing is pretty antithetical to the five paragraph essay model. So they feel really um, stifled and intimidated by even the thought of writing this college essay. So what we do with them is we just say, like, your essay's going to get done. Don't worry about it. We just have to focus on the conversation we're having right now, which is about your morning routine, right? You have to really just break it down. And so we'll go through a kid's morning routine. Um, and most kids will say, I wake up, I have breakfast, I brush my teeth, I go to school. And then you're like, great, let's go slower. <laughs> um, and I, I don't really suggest that parents do this with kids because it makes a dynamic that isn't the best. Um, but we had a student who was extroverted, but he was also like very specific in the way that he did everything. Um, he, he had a method for everything that he did. And I thought that that was something that we should capitalize on because there aren't that many people who have opinions and preferences on literally everything in their life, right? Like that's something that's, that's unique. So we had him go through his morning routine and it took like six times for him to tell me that he made himself eggs for breakfast. And so I, I just asked him what type of eggs. And he said, well, it depends because I'm going through all of the different ways that you can cook eggs and I'm perfecting each one. And right now I'm on a fried egg. Huh. And so I was like, excellent. What kind of pan do you use? What kind of fat do you use? You know, we like went through all of the different um, little things that you have to do in making an egg because there are so many sub decisions within just like the idea of I'm going to make an egg. So after 30 minutes of him telling me how he cooks this fried egg, I had so many pages of notes and I was like, this is your essay. You know, it's, it's not a metaphor. It's not deeper than it needs to be. It's just how to cook an egg. And through that, we were able to show his personality and he's very, very funny. Um, he's, he's funny and he's dynamic and he's so sure of himself in that this is the old, like this is the fish spatula that you use to make the egg <laughs> and in the original version of the essay he had a link to it and I was like that it's perfect you know no one else is putting like an Amazon link in their application <laughs> I hope you had an affiliate link yeah <laughs> yeah it was it was just it was the best and his mom read it and his mom was like are you kidding me 
Right. Like <laughs> she was like, I have never seen a college essay like this before. This is so unacceptable. And I was like, well, that's the point. Like, you know, we, we're trying to write things that have never been written before. And I convinced her to trust me and to submit the essay. Obviously, he got in early decision to Tufts. And on his acceptance rate, there was, uh, on his acceptance letter, there was um, a handwritten note from the dean of admission saying that this was one of the best essays that they had ever read. Wow. So that's, that's kind of what we do. Um, and he's not the only person who's gotten, you know, a handwritten letter based off of his essay. Um, but it's just those little things because this kid was impressive. Like objectively, he was very impressive. And he had had all of these experiences that um, I think kids would normally go to write about. You know, he 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 did all the community service. He played the sport. He, he had all of those um, traditional essay topic type experiences. And what we said was they're going to know about that through your activity section, right? There are six sections of the common app. The fifth is the activity section. It's kind of, um, it's like a long form resume. And if something is there, you can talk about it and mention it in the supplements for the school, but it's not necessarily something that needs to be repeated for a common app essay. Cause you can just introduce it to like there nowhere in his application. Did the admissions person know that he ate eggs for breakfast every morning? So that was like something that, that we thought was important to talk about. So let's talk a little bit about, you talked before about the kids who, you know, have their seven lines of alliteration and they can't give them up. Um, you know, I think kids sort of hear this show don't tell mm -hmm. and they don't really know what it means. What they think it means is just stuff in as many metaphors as you can. And, you know, I don't think they quite understand that. Um, mm -hmm. How do you get, you know, how do you get in kids to understand that not everything has to be, or you have kids who are trying to shove in as many SAT words as we used to call them. Um, how do you break that down for kids that they don't need to have this sort of overstuffed essay? Uh, we do it slowly and with compassion. <laughs> um, in terms of show, don't tell, we give them examples. So, um, I can tell you that I am very organized or I can explain to you where everything is in my house, right? So that's actually what we do. We go through these things with ourselves. So uh, every client of ours is assigned one writer and they form a pretty um, intense and, and special bond with these writers. And we've just learned how to tell our own personal stories so that kids can um they can understand it. So an example of show don't tell would be, I can tell you that I'm very organized or I can take you to my spice drawer and <laughs> I can tell you that I buy spices in bulk and then I have these jars and they're all the same and they all have labels on them and they're organized in this one drawer um, from like the place that is closest to me to the back in terms of how I use them and what I use the most, right? So from that example alone, you're like, okay, this person has a very specific way of categorizing things and thinking about things. And when you give people enough examples, like micro examples, they start to understand. And then what we'll also do is we'll allow the kid the freedom to write whatever they want in a first draft, and then we'll go through it line by line. And all of our feedback is very encouraging, but we'll also have them read real writers. Um, because in high school, you're not really assigned short essays, right? These mm -hmm. essays are 650 words and you're usually assigned novels. And 
we're not writing a novel. We're writing a 650 word essay. So sometimes it's helpful for kids to read other authors who have written, um, you know, short stories just so they can see how to structure their work. Um, and then in terms of alliteration, we'll just be like, have you ever read anything that has this much alliteration? In it? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and also I think another thing that kids do is, um, they have a tendency to just use a lot of adjectives and, you know, it, it, instead of just saying what something is, they'll describe it. And like, we all know what a plant looks like, you know, mm-hmm. you don't, <laughs> you don't have to describe it as like luscious. I, I like the kids will just, they'll throw out as many adjectives as possible. And then with the SAT words, um, the question that we ask kids is how would you say this in real life? And then they'll write it and we'll say, we're just trying to get your voice down. Um, You don't need to throw in every word that you know, because we're trying to get your personality in the way that you think. And if you use all of these words that you don't actually use in real life, you're not going to accomplish the goal of getting us to understand how you think. Right. Because the transcript will show that they're smart, you know? Right. I mean, the essay isn't a place to prove that you're, if you're smart, you're smart. And I think that the smartest people, the smartest kids are able to have humility when it comes to their essays. And I also think that it's a lot harder to write humor than it is to be serious and to be um, like overly academic. And a lot of kids want to name drop what they've read or you know what they've read for fun. Um, and it doesn't help in the goal of establishing these bonds of commonality with the, the person who is reading the application. Because we always try to bring our kids into the room of the the readers, right? So the person who's reading the application has been reading applications for three months or, you know, three weeks, whatever it is, by the time they get to our kid's essay, and they are tired. Um, they have read so many overblown essays about building a school in <laughs> wherever. Um, they've read so many essays about scoring the winning goal, and we want to give them a moment of levity in their day when they're reading our kids' essays. And that's the goal. It's to not be overly serious, to not, you know, a lot of kids will be like, but I am the best soccer player. And it's like, great, but soccer is soccer is soccer. It doesn't matter what happened in this specific game that was so novel. These people have read so many essays that no matter what, they're just going to compartmentalize you into the soccer category. So you need to give them something new. All right. I guess that's the best advice is give them something new. We went to one open house where the admissions person told us they actually had two essays about cheese mm-hmm. um, last year. And one, they learned a lot about cheese and one, they learned a lot about the kid. Huh. Um, and I thought that was really interesting because I can see and I can even hear in my daughter's conversations with friends, these kids trying to find like a hook mm-hmm. or a gimmick. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just want to say like, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Exactly. Like the kids um, don't really know where to start because they're yeah. scared because it's so, you know, you have this marathon process of getting into college that starts freshman year and kids don't really get clued into it until junior year. And then by the time it's all caught up with them, they're writing their essay and it's the only thing that is within their control. So they're very scared. So there's so much pressure that's put on this 650 word piece of writing. And the pressure is, it's not unwarranted. Um, It is the only time that you get to speak to the person making the decision. And your grades are, you know, your grades, and that's what your scores are too. They're just numbers and your extracurricular activities 
tell you something, but the essay is where you really get to establish something, right? You get, you get to establish kind of like a rapport with the person. And so kids get so freaked out and they don't know what to do. And so they, they, we find that they go in one of two directions, which is to try to sound just so smart, you know, to overly intellectualize every single thing that they can or to go a sob story route. And if you're thinking about the adult who is reading this essay, you're like, probably neither of those is the best. Um, you don't want to make the person feel bad, right? Because the person who reads the essay is going to not necessarily remember the details of the essay, but they're going to remember how they felt after they read it. So it really comes down to like, what type of feeling are you trying to make that person experience when reading your piece of writing? And that's why I think um, making someone laugh is usually not a bad way to go. Right. And so I'm going to pivot a little bit just for as a parent point of view, mm -hmm. um, because I have heard already from my friends, the ones whose kids will not show them their essay. <laughs> oh, that was my son. <laughs> and then it's making them crazy because of course, as a parent, you assume then it's about you. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> like how it's like when you find out your adult child goes to therapy, I guess. Um, <laughs> and you have fear. Um, or they have a kid who will not stop badgering them to sort of read and help them with their essay. Like there seems to be two extremes. Um, and then a parent who inevitably will then give feedback. And of course it was the wrong feedback and like made their kid a thousand times more upset. Um, so how, how should a parent approach this? And, you know, how do you deal with both those types of kids? So our kids all have private consultants. That's what this job is. So we encourage parents to not read anything. Um, and that's for a few reasons. The first is that very few parents, almost no parents, are college essay experts. So they don't really know what they're looking for. And parents will come back and they'll say, but I know good writing. And that's fine. But they don't know what makes a good college essay. So they might, they might read a piece of writing that one of their kids does and they'll be like, I don't understand how this is going to help them get into college. To which we respond, that is correct. You are not a college admissions <laughs> essay expert. Um, so we don't love to have parents read essays. It usually causes more harm than good. Um, if a parent reads the essay and they're like, this is great, that's awesome, but that doesn't usually happen. Usually they have a problem with it. And uh, I mean, as, as you know, by being moms, um, if you have any, I don't know, like seed of doubt and your kid picks up on it, they're just not going to trust themselves. And they're either going to go to you um, with every draft and be like, is it okay now? Because they're kind of seeking your approval or uh, they're gonna rebel against you. So I, I, don't, I don't think like it's great. Um, we have our clients read the final version of every essay and we come like ready for battle with that because they'll just be like, like with the egg essay, they'll be like, I've never read anything like this before. What did I get myself into? This is awful. And then we'll just have to go back and be like, these are the fundamental principles of how we write essays. And this is how we wound up here, you know? Um, but I think if a kid doesn't want to show you their essay, that's fine. Just, you know, point them in the direction of the right resources. Um, and that's, I, I think that like, my company's blog is a pretty good free resource. We're like trying to create the best free resource on the internet. Um, so when 
kids and parents email us with questions, we say, we're going to respond in long form on the blog. So we have dozens, if not hundreds of, es- of blog posts about how to write college essays at every step of the process. And I think that that can be more helpful than a parent reading an essay because because we know what we're talking about and a lot of parents don't. Um, so yeah, in general, I think parents don't need to be reading college essays. And what's the URL of your site? It's koppelmangroup.com, K-O-P-P-E-L-M-A-N group.com. Great. We'll put a link to that for, for parents to just send that link to their child. (laughs) Yeah. uh, It is such a hard process, right? Because there's, everyone has this anxiety that they're bringing to the table. um, And the schools themselves do nothing to mitigate that. Mm -hmm. Um, They just add to it. And I think the, it's such the essay in particular, I think has become such a thing, you know, that like the New York times publishes 10 of the best at the, I mean, it's well, right. Because they can't publish transcripts. They can't publish resumes. Like it's the only tangible part of the college process. And it's also the last thing. Right. Right. You've done all the work. Now you have to do this. And I think that when, um, the times publishes essays, it's, it's helpful and it's not helpful. Um, because I think a lot of kids will, They'll read an essay from the time. So they'll read, you know, one of our sample admissions essays on the website, and then they'll try to replicate it. And that's not what any of the good essays do. We're not, you know, we're not taking um, an essay from three years ago and saying, like, let's do a riff on this essay. You know, we don't have, we don't have like templates for these essays. Um, we just, they're, they're new every year, which is part of the challenge. Yeah, because it sounds like the most important hook for a good essay is to be unique and be yourself. And you can't copy that. I don't love the idea of a hook because kids will never start with the foundational principles of who who am I? Like what makes me who I am? And how do I express that with a story? They'll go immediately to what is my hook? Mm-hmm. And I think that can be um, just a really damaging way to think about writing in general because they just get so overwhelmed before they've even started right they're not advertising copywriters like it's not it's not what they're doing no they're just trying to say who they are right and I think that's a big distinction like saying who you are is different than like your brand um, which I think is a lot of advice that's out there too is people saying like think of yourself as a brand which is already for kids growing up with like their Instagram, their Snapchat. <laughs> they're I mean, it's like, crazy. It's crazy. They already have this very self-conscious way of how they're presenting themselves in the world. Um, to bring that to essay writing has, has just got to be really damaging. Right. And I think you, you do have to think about yourself as uh, a brand or a persona when it comes to kind of like your extracurriculars or, ex- or uh, classes. Right. Mm-hmm. If you're saying that you want to be an engineer, but you've never taken physics, that might be a problem. Um, but when it comes to your essay, you're adding another dimension. So it doesn't have to necessarily fit cohesively with um, your extracurriculars. You know, if you are if you're an actor who is also an, like a mechanical engineer and wants to build things, your essay doesn't have to be related to acting or building things. It can, it can just be like a window into a Thursday night in your home. That is so important. That wouldn't occur to most people. Yeah. Yeah. So I like to, um, think about the essay 
kind of like a Thanksgiving table, which if you read the blog, you'll see this, uh, this metaphor just exhausted. So you don't have three turkeys on your table, right? You only have one. And you have all of these side dishes that are only there one time usually. And that's how you have to think about your whole application. Your grades tell a specific story and so do your extracurricular activities, but you need an extra thing with the essay. And so what, what is that new component that you're adding? Ooh, it's the surprise dish at the Thanksgiving table. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's the weird thing no one ever made before. Right. Um, Usually it's the best part. Right, of course. It's not the turkey because mm -hmm. the turkey's never the best part. No, and you know, the turkey's the grades. Right. The turkey's you, like, your transcript, like it's baked. It's already, it's done. And also <laughs> no side dish is going to make the turkey better. Right. So no I, matter how much gravy you pour on it. <laughs> correct. And so I think that that's also where a lot of kids get tripped up. They'll have a B plus GPA and they'll think, you know, if I write the best essay, I'll get into Yale. And that's not true. Right. And probably the inverse, that's probably not true the other way too, right? Like you, because you know that a huge amount of kids applying to whatever school you're applying to, let's say if you're, if you're act, if you're kind of building an, a list that's really reflective of, of what you hope, you know, places that are realistic, um, mm -hmm. then you have your reaches, but most kids are also going to have that similar GPA, um, and similar scores that you have, because you're looking, right, if you're looking at that middle 50, if you're looking at those stats online, you already know that. So, and you probably shouldn't look at the middle 50, you should look at the, if you're just a normal kid, you should probably be looking at the, the upper portion of the scores. Right. To kind um, of give you a cushion, right? Yeah. So if you, if you look at, you know, the Ivy League scores, they will say that it's, you know, on average 31 to 35 on the ACT. And if you're just a normal kid with a 31, probably you are not getting in. So that's, that's something to definitely consider. I think that really trips up parents. Um, yeah. Cause that's, I mean, I've had friends whose kids have gotten in literally nowhere. Um, but they'll say, but when we made our list, right. Well, they we, were in the middle fifth, like they had, but it was always the bottom of that range. Yeah. You kind of have to parse out um, who each kid is, who gets in and think like, is this a recruited athlete? Is this a uh, an active legacy? Is this an international student? And when you take those people out of the pie, it's like, okay, then you have about, you know, 65 to 70% of the kids left. And that's who you're going to be among. Oh my God, these poor kids. I can't even. <laughs> like, Let me just tell you that in my day, I First of all, I hand wrote my essay because I didn't, we didn't have a computer. And right. I think my mom ended up typing it on the typewriter at some point and like with carbon paper and whatever. Um, but it is such a different thing. I mean, I, I know they call it a personal statement, but it's really not. It's what you said. It's a creative nonfiction mm -hmm. um, piece. I mean, years ago, it truly was just a personal statement. It was, it was kind of just a regurgitation of who you were and what you'd done. And now it's something... It's something very different. And do you think that's more true with, obviously, is more selective schools? Or do you think that this has become more and more true across the board, that the essay really needs to stand out? I think it's become more true across the board um, just because of how human beings make decisions. So I think if you talk to any number of admissions officers from schools that have 5% acceptance rates to schools that have 60% acceptance rates, they'll still say, like, our favorite part of the whole process is reading the essay. It's just the most personal part. Right. 
So I guess that's a good thing to do as a kid, maybe, is give it to some of your peers. Like, would well, you have kids no. share them with each other? No, because no? Oh, children okay. don't know. I mean, teenagers <laughs> really don't, don't know how to <laughs> write college essays. Um, I would honestly, like, I would just follow vetted guides online. Okay. But what about feedback? I, uh, I would ask an English teacher for feedback. Mm-hmm. Um, you just... You know, if you give people an essay, they're going to assume that you want constructive or negative feedback. And so they'll give that to you. Right. And I think it's very important to know who your editor is. Um, I wouldn't necessarily want a 17-year-old critiquing my college essay (laughs) because (laughs) I don't know if they're the best person to do that. Um, Likewise, I don't don't know if I would want a a random person in their 40s critiquing my college essay. So you, you have to really know who is giving you feedback. Right. No, that's really helpful. I mean, I think that's part of the problem with teenagers is even even the ones who don't, um, who kind of don't want their parents to read it, but they are eager for some kind of validation. It's, it's so hard. Right. And I'm not suggesting that you don't have anyone look at your essay. I think that would be crazy. I just think your source has to be vetted in some way. You know, you can't just show it to your friends because your friends might not be the best audience for you. They, I think a lot of kids get really competitive during this process. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of a hard thing to manage. Well, that's all incredibly helpful and insightful. And thank you so much for joining us today. I think parents will find this really helpful. Maybe they'll just send it to their kids without comment. <laughs> like, yeah. Just listen to advice. Um, but we'll have links to your website um, and your blog I think it's an invaluable resource for parents around the country. And obviously, if parents are also interested in your services, then it's a whole other piece. Um, and thank you. Just thanks so much for joining us. And good luck with your with your admission season. Thank you. Good luck with your kids. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's going to be fine. <laughs> thank you. I know. It will. I know that. They don't. <laughs> yeah. But I know. Yeah. <laughs> thanks so much. You're welcome. Bye. 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 We will be right back with our Bites of the Week. We are back with our Bites of the Week. It's just you and I, Amy. What do you have? All right. So for the past month, really, maybe even six weeks, um, my feed has been filled with back-to-school pictures, ranging from, you know, parents who can only get a glimpse of their kids and take a quick picture as they run out the door to the parents who have, like, you know, chalkboard and letterboard pictures out in front of their house. I don't know how they do it. Um... Because if I tried to do that, it would be like a mad scramble to find the thing that I put away the last year and I'd be yelling at my kids. And yeah, so we we don't even attempt that. Um, But I saw something that was absolutely adorable. There was a nursing home um, in Iowa. It's the Garden View Assisted Living Facility in Carroll, Iowa. And they had their senior citizens do first day pictures. And each one of them held up a, a, a whiteboard um, with their name and their age and the year that they graduated from school, and then a piece of advice that they had for students today. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was so sweet. I was like crying reading that. I mean, you know, not a, <laughs> I, I cry at everything, but it it was just really sweet. So I'll link to those, and I hope you get as much of a kick out of them as I did. That sounds awesome. You know, it's funny when we moved my grandmother last year, um, one of the things we found was her high school yearbook and it was incredible. Like it was just crazy to see 
this whole yearbook, one page was in color. Um, she must have graduated. She was born in 1917, so she must have graduated in 20. She graduated 16, so she graduated in 33. Um, in the middle of the Depression, and they had a um, one of the highlights of the school year was they had a fascist leader come speak to the school. Oh my God! <laughs> yeah, they had a picture of him at the podium. This was a school full of Jews. I'm like, what is going on? <laughs> like, oh my God! Yeah. It was crazy. Um, but anyway, it was, you know, when you look back, it's funny how much high school doesn't change. <laughs> Especially now, there are probably people having plenty of fascist leaders talk to their schools. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, I can't imagine what my grandmother's advice would be if she uh, had a first day of advice for my my girls. I should ask her because she's still alive. Oh, you totally should. You should do one of these pictures. I should, totally should. Maybe I'll, I'll talk to my cousin about it because my cousin's the one who lives near her. But anyway, my bite of the week is also school related. Uh, this weekend's issue of the New York Times Magazine is their education issue. And they seem to be focusing on higher education, which they don't always do. Um, so there's an article, the big one, the cover story, obviously, is like what college admissions offices really want. And it's talking about the battle between wanting to diversify but needing big fat tuition dollars, hmm. um, which is interesting. But there's a more interesting story inside which is called I was a low income college student classes weren't the hard part by Anthony Abraham Jack. And he writes an incredible article about how you need so much more than financial aid to succeed when you're coming from poverty. Um, and I think it's something schools are struggling with now that many of many schools are hundred percent, they'll match need. Um, so now need hasn't become as big of a problem, especially the elite schools, but it's like the tip of the iceberg, right? When kids get there and they're not, you know, having tuition and room and board debt, but they're having like, how do you afford a cell phone? How do you afford um, to go home for the holidays? Kids who come from warm weather places to go to cold weather schools don't have winter coats, winter boots, oh like all these kinds of things. Um, so, and then not to mention like just resources and knowing how to navigate things and all that. So it's a, Really, really, really good article um, because I think we're very wrapped up in just the dollar signs of tuition and room and board um, and not so much on like the actual support that goes into students um, and just what a culture shock it can be for people and everything. So highly recommend this week's issue. Um, it's already up online. So I don't know if more of it will get filled in by Sunday, but it seems like they've already they launched most of it online at the newyorktimes.com slash section slash magazine. But we'll have a link to it. And that is it. That is our show for today. Thanks, Amy. <laughs> Thank you and I. You're very welcome. Um, that was that was a fantastic episode. I, I feel like I got this one in time because Fiona's a sophomore. A lot of the times we do stuff where I'm like, oh, I wish I had known this 10 years ago. But this one, I'm like, all right, now I'm ready. Got it. I don't know how I'm going to like slyly send this to my children. <laughs> like, <laughs> so they will. Not. You have to have somebody else send it to them because if you send it, I they'll ignore know, it. Right? Maybe I should send it to like their college counselors and be like, hey, <laughs> you should do yeah. this. Don't say it's for me. Um, but we will have links to everything we talked about on the show at facebook.com slash parenting bites and parentingbites.com. Wherever you listen to us, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Um, it helps us reach more and more people. We're so excited to see our audience growing. And one last call out. We are planning our return show with Dr. G. She's taking your super difficult parenting discipline 
any kind of questions. She's super smart um, and super fabulous. If you haven't listened to our episode on chores, you need to go back and listen to it because it's mind blowing. But Amy, what's that phone number? 925-PARENTS. 925-PARENTS. Let us know uh, your questions. You can be anonymous if you want. You can have us mention you if you have some blog or something you'd like us to link to to mention you that's fine or you can uh, comment on our Facebook page with your questions or you can always private message us on Facebook as well if you want to stay anonymous it's not a problem but we'd love to hear from you and she would love to hear from you so don't be shy until next week happy parenting bye Hey, this is our Parenting Bites disclaimer. Everything we talk about on the show is our own opinion. Any products we recommend, it's our own personal recommendation for entertainment purposes only. If you buy something through our affiliate links or you just happen to buy or see or read or watch something that we've recommended, it's at your own risk.